Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining along. You're here because you you like to hunt stuff in the backcountry if you've followed along Lately, in the last, you know, I don't know, year or two or three or whatever it's been, I I have to admit I've been pretty biased against uh, bringing on mule deer guests because, frankly, that's what I'm most interested in right now. And that's what I'm just sick about is chasing mule deer. So, that being said, I thought that it would be suitable to uh, appease, I'm sure there's one or two guys that listen to or that uh, listen to the podcast that like to hunt elk. So maybe we'd bring a guy who knows a little more about elk hunting than I do on the podcast. So that's uh, that's what you're here for, Jace. How are you doing, man? Good. Doing well. Just excited for the coming application season. Yeah, man. So you're, um, you know, I, I follow the heck out of you on Instagram, and I think we've interacted quite a bit, but I've, I've never actually met you. Are you, you have a Utah number. Are you from Utah or where are you at? Yeah, I'm from kind of southeastern Utah. Okay. Just right in the middle of the state, right? Prime elk country, so. Now, my wife, uh, she's originally from that country down by, like, Penguich and Tropic. Is that where you're at or somewhere else north? Uh, I'm a, a little north of there. I'm by Price, Utah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Just just south of Spanish Fork. Yeah, a little more, really central up there. Okay. Yeah, yep. Gotcha. Well, yeah, Utah's, man, Utah's just... It's been through some ups and downs, you know, with the elk hunting, um, man, back in the heyday, you know, when we didn't really know what we had, I don't think, um, was when I was just kind of, I was actually just getting hot and heavy into elk hunting way back, you know, in the, oh, 2000, when would you say 2001, 2002, yeah. 2003 was kind of the heyday right there. Yeah. Kind of petering out by like 2007. Uh-huh. And man, I, like, I remember, um, it was just understood that if you drew almost any limited entry bull tag but like like the top 50 percent of the of the limited entry bull tags back then you were gonna kill a 400 incher i mean it was just like almost automatic you know there were so many big bulls running around um what you know with with jumping right into this and i'm gonna backtrack because i want to get a little of your history and kind of what you do but what what was that with Utah? Like, was it just a an accident, or did they change, you know, dramatically change something in their management system? Because holy cow, you guys were on a roll there for a while. Uh, yeah, it's little changes here and there, but overall, I think um, just hunters are more successful, and that the DWR unfortunately hasn't compensated with tag numbers to account for that. Well, um, I know that their main the main thing they keep track of for our elk herd is the tooth data. And I've had several cases, personal bulls I've killed bulls that I've picked up multiple years of sheds off of where we've gotten the tooth data back and it's just not accurate. And so I don't know if that plays into it, but. When, when did the, like, when did the September rifle elk hunts and even muzzleloader, when did that all become like, was, is, was that a little before that, right at the same time? No, it, it was before, it was before my time. It's so, uh, a good 20 years ago. It's, it's been a long time that they've, they've had the, the hunts right in the prime of the rut. Um, I know about exactly 20 years ago, they had a little modifications like with mule deer, they changed the, the muzzleloader hunt from November to into yeah. September and yeah. a few changes like that, but that's, that's as recent as I can think of any changes to our actual date. System. Well, so it doesn't sound like that would add up too perfectly then, but man, it just seems like that that's the first thing that stands out in Utah with elk is like, 
you can't hunt elk with rifles and muzzleloaders, especially muzzleloaders that Utah allows, right? Like open, open sight restrictions and, or, uh, or not open sight restrictions, you know, full, full scope, you know, and guys are shooting rifles basically. And man, it's like, I don't know how long can you keep doing that and have, you know, quality bull after quality bull after quality bull every year. But anyway, yeah, exactly. That just the ability for the average Joe to successfully take his own mature bull has gone up drastically, and we haven't yeah. adjusted tag numbers according, accordingly. So, yeah, it's all those trail cameras' fault. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, the trail cameras knocking them down. Oh man. Well, we've gotten into that. I've gotten into that, and I. Oh man. Yeah, probably not the time or place, but. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So you, do you do a little bit of guiding down there and some of the other states? Yeah, I, I do a lot of guiding in Utah. Um, I guide for a couple outfitters, actually, kind of a unique situation. Most <laughs> most guys like guides to be 100% exclusive for them. And um, I just, I guide because I enjoy it. I guide for fun. It's I work a full-time job as well. And so it's my time off that I'm using. And so... I do what I want with it. And so I've, <laughs> I've guided for a couple guys. My cousin, Brett Diamond actually started apex outfitters and that's who I've done all of my elk and deer and things like that for recently. He also has hounds. And so we do a lot of bear and lion hunts, but then I guide sheep hunts as well for Adam Bronson with Bronson outfitting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is that all right there in Utah? Yep, all Utah. I, I haven't expanded and started guiding any other states yet. It kind of just time constraint. I'm a selfish guide too. A lot of guys <laughs> put their guide season first, and I kind of put my own hunts first, and then work the guiding around it. So, well, you know, I I was that guy that was, um, you know, guiding when I guided. I guided, you know, less than high quality tags, and I was doing it when I would rather be hunting, and it kind of ruined it. And you know, when it's not your full-time deal, that's kind of how I think you have to go about it is, you know, first of all, hunting those quality tags helps, right? When, you know, you go out, and oh, yeah. you know, you're trying to grind on a general season deer tag that you're guiding some guy on and, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. And then, um, yeah. And if it's, you know, if you're a bow hunter and all you do is guide bow hunts, then that's going to, you know, eventually that's going to eat at you. But, um, well, um, so would you say that elk though, is your, like your first love? Is that kind of what you are drawn to? I mean, living in Utah, that's a heck of a good state to be in love with elk, you know? Yeah. I've, I've kind of caught the sheep bug lately, but they're just so hard to, to get very many hunts for or to spend much time hunting. And so <laughs> elk kind of always been my thing. I've killed, I don't know, 10 or 11 archery bulls out of Utah and, um, then guided a lot, a lot, a lot of elk hunts. I was trying to add them up a couple months ago, actually, me and my brother, and I've, I've been a part of over a hundred mature bull elk. I don't oh. know the exact number, but. Yeah. You know, the sheep thing, the problem there is, um, if you're going to be addicted to sheep, there's really only two ways that you can accomplish that. And, you know, one is have a ton of money, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. unfortunately I yeah. missed the boat on that one. So. Yeah, me too. Right. <laughs> or, you know, guide for them. I mean, it's really yep. the only other way you can get your fix. I think is, you know, you can, you can, you can obviously go with your friends, but how often do even your close friends draw a sheep tag? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, you kind of have to get in the guiding world and you get your fix, you know, vicariously that way. <laughs> but luckily there's a lot more elk tags going around, huh? Yeah. Yeah, good number of elk. It's always always been pretty easy. I kind of specialize on some of the less popular or the less well-known units that people can draw more frequently, and then we just really grind it out and find the upper-class bulls off those units. So stay why, busy. Why do you why do you like that so much? Um, for one, a couple of them are my backyard. That that was what started it, and then getting to know those units so well. It, then it, it was just easy to find that next level bull that a lot of guys struggle to find. And so 
it just worked out. Um, I have to travel to get to some of the premium units. I've like San Juan, a few of them. I've hunted San Juan myself. Um, I drew a muzzleloader tag there and killed a good bull, but I've only guided maybe two or three clients there just because it's, it's a three hour drive just to the gas station at the base of the unit. And then another hour or two from there, depending on which part of the unit I'm hunting. So just made more sense to stay closer. I was able to do a lot more thorough job um, and really kill the top end bull from the unit rather than just go. What's, what's kind of your, what's your go-to tactic when you're in a low elk density or a lower quality unit like that for elk? What's, what's maybe one or two, you know, secrets or pro tips or whatever that you're applying to really find those upper end bulls? Um, really my biggest tip is consistency. If, if you're going to hunt a unit, if you're building points, you, I mean, every once in a while, something comes out of left field and you get lucky and draw a tag, but that doesn't happen very often. So if you're building points, you're the most intelligent thing you can do is go kill a spike bull on that unit. You tell let's, <laughs> let's you hunt spikes on basically every one of our trophy units, pick the unit you're going to hunt and go get familiar with it. And that will pay a hundredfold what any trail camera can tell you or any anything really that time in the field actually hunting during the dates that you're planning to hunt and so the consistency that i have on the unit that the units that i hunt i hunt every year consistently so whether i even go out a day at all early i know right where 10 big bulls are going to end up so Man, that's such good advice. You know, and we, I've, I've talked to these, uh, you know, again, the mule deer guys, right? The next level that I'm not talking the next level, but the, the upper level, right? That what I call like a level three guy, just with no reference to anything. I just call them level three guys. Um, but they, one thing that sets them apart that I noticed, and I've just recently talked about this with, with a couple guests is, um, they're not afraid to go pre-scout a unit, right? Before a year. Uh-huh a year or two or three before they even ever hunt it. And you normally, there's really not, there's not a ton of, you know, you might get a doe tag or something like that, an antlerless tag, but, but even that with deer, there's not as many, but Utah, like you said, it's a very liberal state with their spike elk tags specifically. And you can right? am I remembering that right? You can basically oh, yeah. go spike elk hunt just about any one of those units any given year, right? Yeah, and, and our dates coincide. So if you get an archery spike tag, you're looking to get an archery big bull tag. You're hunting the exact same dates. Talk and so. Talk about your opinion on that. Um, do you are you in favor of them being coinciding, or do you find it frustrating sometimes when there's a bunch of spike guys running around? Um, generally, I I don't have too much issue with it. Um, our rifle spike elk hunt does run. It used to run independently. Uh, I believe it was three or four years ago. They opened a mid-season rifle big bull hunt that runs the same dates in October as the spike rifle elk hunt. And so that's that's another option. You pre-scout with that rifle spike tag. But that hunt, I have seen some conflict. But as far as like the archery and everything, there's there's so many people on the mountain, and you're kind of Early, I like. I really like to hunt early. I like spot and stock the first week of the hunt when the bulls are patternable. Still, um, you're not the big bulls aren't with spikes, um, and so I haven't run into trouble there. And then during the rut, you're just kind of hunting them different, and so I I really haven't seen an issue with it. Yeah, you you know, I guess it depends on the unit a little bit. I I remember chasing. Uh, following my my brother-in-law and his dad around on a southwest desert tag um, that they had and you know maybe just we were hunting in the wrong place or you know or whatever but man it felt like just a freeway of guys going up and down you know in the evenings you'd be up you know coming off the mountain in the dark and there's not a ton of roadless country in that unit specifically but man it was just like a freeway of four-wheeler lights coming and going at night in the morning and stuff and you you knew they couldn't all be big bull hunters. You know, they had to be, you know, either spike or archery deer hunters or whatever they were doing. But, um, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting model that, um, that Utah does with the spikes. Do you, do you have any background on, on the spike hunt specifically? Is it, is it just a numbers management thing? Is it a, a herd quality 
management tool or what is your opinion or what have you heard on that? No, so so I was on the, the RAC for four years. That's the Regional Advisory Council for the southeastern region of Utah. So I went to all the meetings and discussed with the biologist and the the big game coordinator and, and all of them. Um, and I just finished that. Uh, it was about um, about a year ago now is when I finished my term on the RAC. And um, we asked that. There were a lot of people that came to the meetings that were strongly against the spike. They feel that that's the main thing ruining our big bull hunts because, once again, you're getting more successful, and they give such a high number of spike tags that that success is translating into lower bull numbers. And they just straight up said it's an opportunity hunt. It's heritage. It's something that gets families out together. We will never cut the spike outcome. Mm. Um, that was just said about a year and a half ago in a meeting by um, our big game coordinator that they they will not cut it. It's just basically tied to the heritage of Utah hunting. And so. Yeah. And so the question comes, you know, at what point is that? does that outweigh for guys, you know, the quality of the bull hunt that they think they're not getting because of it, you know, because I, here's what's ironic is I bet a lot of those same guys, you know, they like that. They, they go on the family deer hunt or the family elk spike elk hunt every year. And, um, you know, when they don't have a big bull tag and it's almost like until you have the big bull tag, you know, you're, you're not too worried about it. Right. I mean, you know, exactly. <laughs> And yeah, then, I, I I know a lot of guys that are are fit that mold perfectly, unfortunately. And um, I mean, there's several units. The one unit that is has been really getting harped on for the spike hunt is the Book Cliffs unit. It used to be one of the premier units of Utah. It has a huge roadless area, really just as prime of elk habitat as there could be. Um, and it, it is a multifaceted issue. There's there's wild horses that are rampant down there. The buffalo population's increasing. Um, and then the spike elk hunt. And so it's not just that, but that's one one thing that the book cliffs elk hunt, if people ask me, I tell them, do not apply for it. You'll be disappointed. And, and that's why is all those issues combined. But the spike elk hunt's definitely not helping. It's one of the most popular units to spike elk hunt in the state. Talk, um, talk about, you know, Utah specifically and kind of the, and maybe this will just be a, I, I, I think I can, you know, pull some valuable info from you through some other states that you mentioned you hunted nearby states, but, you know, specifically Utah, I'm curious as we maybe kind of transition here into like the application season that we're, we're right in the middle of Utah or right at the beginning at least. Right. So, uh-huh. um, you know, the applications just open guys have the rest of the month, basically. Um, you know, just, just kind of start, start by maybe just breaking down, um, how the Utah elk application process works. Maybe we'll start there and then I'll, I'll kind of whittle it down to the elk specifically some questions that I have. Okay. So yeah, Utah, like we said, it's got a, the very, very good season dates. You've got the archery hunt to choose from starts usually mid August and runs through mid September. The day it ends is the, the the night before the rifle hunt. And so then the very next day, the early rifle hunt begins mid September and it usually runs for, I think eight days. Gives you two weekends right in the prime of the rut. Um, all of Utah's early rifle hunts are, getting up towards that 20 point range um even even some of the really low tier units are 16 17 points to draw an early rifle permit now and that's because it's it's a slam dunk you're going to kill one of the best bulls on the unit with those tags um that closes the very next well they, they usually give about a three or four day window and then the muzzleloader hunt opens um runs for a week closes the first of october Mid-October, you've got the mid-season hunt, which is during the spike elk hunt, that spike rifle. So that one's kind of a, it's a unique hunting experience. It's not going to be the same as the others. You're kind of on the, the tail end of the rut, a little bit post-rut. Still some bulls with the cows, most of the big ones have left. And you've got all the other 
rifle hunters on the mountain to contend with. So that hunts, it's just a different experience, but you can draw a rifle tag for a lot less points if you're willing to do that mid season. Um, and then finally the late hunt and the late hunt takes place after they're all in the winter range and really easy to find bulls. If you just want to see a lot of elk, that's the hunt you need to be looking at. So the anomaly with Utah is, I would say is the point creep, right? And, and, you know, I had someone actually just reach out today and they were asking me, um, you know, basically it got brought up with the points in Utah and, um, do I think that it should just be done away with? Right. And basically turned into like a state like New Mexico where there's just flat out no bonus points for anything. Everyone just, every year we wipe the slate clean and it doesn't matter if you drew last year or didn't draw last year. Everyone has the same uh, chance of drawing every single tag. And I love New Mexico because of that, right? Any given year, I can Mm -hmm. jump in, I can jump out, I can be overly aggressive, I can be not very aggressive depending on, you know, what tags I think I want to draw. But the problem is you can't just, you know, my, my answer, my advice was Utah is in too deep, Right. And the, all these states are that have these bonus point systems that they're starting to see this point creep, um, you know, because what do you do with the guy who's got 20, 20, what, what's max points now? 25, 27, for, 27. For, points. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure there's a handful because they can't, they don't all draw every year for whatever reason they don't apply or they don't think this is the year or, you know, they apply and they turn the tag back or whatever they're doing. Um, <clears throat> You know, and so how could you possibly just eliminate a point system that's that mature? Um, how would you reward guys that have been been diligent or, you know, for for that long? So my question, you know, is as a new guy jumping in, you know, do you see Utah as a state that an elk guy should be applying for? And what's the strategy there uh, to go after? Yeah, so I agree with you. We can't just do away with the point system. I do wish they'd look at modifying it, kind of a hybrid, similar to, to like Colorado or some states. Um, make it make it to where, say, 10 points. You don't have a chance in heck until you have 10 points. So kind of a, a preference bonus, because correct me if I'm wrong, Utah um, is a... It, it's it, it's interesting it's a bonus point but it's got it's got a sense of a preference to it though doesn't it where like 50 percent of the tags are set aside for the the guys in the people in the draw who have the most points right yeah so 50% you for max point holders and then the other goes to random and so anyone across the board can draw it um and, and that's a big percentage of tags and so like even for our desert sheet that's one of the worst desert sheep and moose are the two worst in the state to draw. They're both getting up around 25 to 27 points to draw any of the hunts, let alone the premium units. And (laughs) so these guys put in, put their son in and he draws with, with zero points. Um, and then he has a desert sheep and then he, he falls out of hunting. He doesn't even care about it five years later. (laughs) And then there's these guys dying of old age before they ever draw their sheep tag it. So it'd be nice if there was a sense of loyalty involved before you're allowed to draw the tag, like a a 10-point limit. Then they give random after 10 or something like that, and a a smaller percentage of the random tags just to curb the point creep. But um, back to to elk, I, as far as Utah goes, I definitely think it is a, a must-apply state if you want to hunt elk. Um, my draw strategy for basically every state is I look at the hunts other people don't want that you can still kill a big bull. So like Wyoming. Oh, did I lose you? The late season. I, I've actually already drawn one late season Arizona tag. Sit, hey, sit, t- talk about Wyoming again real quick. You, cut, I think you cut out there for two seconds. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. So, so Wyoming, apply for the grizzly units. There's there's a lot of guys that are scared to go hunt the backcountry with the grizzlies. They're getting very dangerous. They're getting <laughs> over super overpopulated. Find a couple buddies, apply with them, and go hunt where the grizzlies are. That's your best odds at getting a better tag earlier. 
Yeah. And then, and since you brought up Wyoming and I'm up here, um, you know, also if you, if you can stomach or if you can do your research, in other words, and understand that if a unit has say 50% wilderness, that you can still be successful at finding and killing elk in that unit, that will deter a lot of guys in Wyoming because they're hunting for exactly what you just said. The unit with no grizzlies, right? They want the area seven way down south, or they want yeah. they want the big horns, right? And so that automatically drives up. And then they they want they're looking for no wilderness whatsoever, right? So that they can you know do it without yeah. a guide or whatever. So that's just another little way in Wyoming, you know, since you brought it up to kind of get the odds in your favor a little bit. But yeah, and Utah has those like the units that. That I prefer to guide on some of the less known units. Look at, pull up the the data. Look at what harvest success rates are. Look at the number of bulls in the unit. If you've got a really small elk population, it's going to be hard to find the one big bull that ten guys don't know about. But the bigger populations are are, are going to have bulls that are older that make it through the hunts. And so there's ways around it. There's and like I said, the go with the less desirable hunt dates like that mid-season rifle it's kind of after the rut and you've got to compete with the spike elk hunters but you've got significantly better odds than that early rifle um that's my draw strategy for utah i I burned my elk points in 2017 i drew the san juan unit i was looking and the muzzleloader application only had i forget the numbers but it was thousands less applicants than the early rifle or the archery and so even though I'm an archery hunter for almost everything I do, I, I put in for the muzzleloader and I, I ended up beating the odds and drawing my tag about 15 years early. So just playing the draws and using that random pool to your advantage, you, you can draw a good Utah tag. It's just never a guarantee, but it's definitely worth applying. So talk about the disparity between those upper echelon <laughs> of of units that, um, you know, we all hear about, right? The San Juan, uh, you know, the Boulder. I think the Panguitch is pretty hot right now. Uh, uh, Panguitch Lake, Beaver. Yeah, kind of those, um, those, you know, there's probably half a dozen, right? It used to be way back in the day, maybe the Monroe and the Dutton, right? When they were killing the, the spider bull and stuff up there. Those seem to have cooled down a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I think you're even talking a level, a level lower than that. Right. And talk about the disparity of, of trophy class that you're going to, that you think a guy could experience going from, you know, say the, the San Juan down to, you know, the seventh or eighth or ninth choice down the list, kind of like what you're suggesting. Yeah. I mean, especially like the San Juan, for example, it's one of our smaller populations as far as our the overall elk population on the unit, it's, it's very small. I think last time I flew it, they said there was like 1,300 animals. Um, that might be off of the last time I looked at it. But um, a fairly small elk herd as opposed to like the Fish Lake or the Manti units or the Wasatch, where they've got really big elk units or elk herd, sorry, the population. Um but they're managed for a lower age class. So like those upper tier units, they're managed for basically an eight-year-old bull. The the Dutton, the Boulder, the Beaver, the San Juan, they're they're wanting a seven to eight-year-old average on their teeth, their tooth data. Whereas some of these others, like the Wasatch, the Nebo, the Manti, the Fish Lake, a lot of these units are managed for five, six-year-old bulls. And so they're killing a lot more elk off the off the units, but there's still going to be bulls that sneak through if you're willing to hike a little farther or do a little more homework, and you can still find a 350 plus bull on any one of those units. Doesn't doesn't mean that when a bull hits, if he hits six and lives through a season, he drops over dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I forgot that they did that. I think that that was clear back in my day when I was down there. I remember those emails going out right. Um, and, and the big, you know, the big hoopla was they were asking everyone to kind of, you know, what would you rather have? Would you rather have, you know, a, high, a bull, bull units that have 
you know, basically what we're talking about, right? Like point, units that take a ton of points, but the age class is eight, nine, whatever it was. Or would you rather have it, you know, somewhere in the middle, like five, six, seven-year-old bulls, and they're, you know, kind of easier to draw? Or would you rather have, you know, three, four, five-year-old bulls and, you know, and very easy to draw? And it was, you just kind of went through a bunch of questions and stuff. And I, if I remember right, that's kind of when they shaped that, that, uh, unless it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, it changes, you know, every two or three or four years or something, but, um, you know, that, that it felt like the first time that they had had that, um, at that time. Am I remembering correct? Yeah, they, they had kind of already been basically doing what they wanted. And, and then they, they just tried to get more public input. They sent out those surveys and, and looked into it. And I honestly, I don't know how much that changed what they were doing. I kind of think they stayed <laughs> on the same trajectory that they were anyway. Gotcha. So, um, well, anything else on, on Utah specifically, um, you know, uh, that a guy should expect coming into the draw or coming into the hunt? I think you've you've brought up some really good points about, you know, searching out those those hunts that aren't, um, you know, the most popular. Like, d- you know, don't settle on having to hunt rifle during the middle of the rut, you know, in the best unit in the state. Um, I thought that was, that was really uh, well said. And then you know, going through, um, uh, you know, a spike hunt to do your scouting. Right. I mean, it's like a win-win, right. You get to learn the unit, you get to, you know, hopefully take some kind of a meat hunt and take some meat home or whatever. Um, I thought that was, was a really good key there too, but any other kind of pro tips for guys that are looking specifically at Utah elk? Um, I don't know specifically, um, as far as this year, in particular, um, if anybody's curious, I think it's going to be a great year to apply. It's it's too early to tell for sure. The spring moisture will tell us a lot, but we're set up kind of a perfect storm for a banner year on horn growth. The best year I've ever seen. If if we get a good wet spring, we had just phenomenal amount of green, tall grass come up late in the fall last year, and then the winter settled in slow and and kind of easy. Now we're at decent snow levels. We're definitely low, but but decent. So kind of just a perfect storm so far. The elk are in better condition than they've ever been coming out of this winter. And so as long as we get a decent spring moisture, which the spring moisture doesn't affect elk nearly like it does mule deer. So at this point, I'd, I'd say it's about sealed that elk are going to have really good growth. Their horns might go brittle if we have a, a dry spring and they don't get that good later green kind of in the april june and early july when they're finishing up their growth but i think as far as the number of inches they're going to stack on it's going to be a banner year so i definitely if you've thought about burning your points this could be a great year to do it talk about um especially relative to some of those later hunts you know like muzzleloaders (laughs) usually towards the end of september um, talk about the different units real quick relative to the rut dates. And I say that because I don't know that I've ever seen a state that can fluctuate like Utah, right? I remember again, the, the Southwest desert hunt that we were on, you know, basically like a Nevada type unit right there on the state line. And those bulls were going nuts. Like the, the last week and a half or more, right? Basically September 1st. I mean, those bulls were starting to scream. They were chasing cows around and it just got hotter and hotter as you went into the last week of the bow hunt. Well, you know, fast forward or, or, uh, sorry, shift gears over to, uh, I had a good buddy that drew a Dutton tag one year on the rifle hunt and we got up there and did, I don't know that we ever heard a bugle. Right. And this is like a week and a half later, um, you know, talk about how some of those units maybe, um, have, have you noticed a difference in, in the rut activity? I know that's year to year. It can depend on a lot of things, but, um, do you notice a specific, you know, pattern as far as some areas in the state rut a little bit later or earlier, or what's your take on that? Yeah, I think overall it's, it's pretty consistent across the state. I think the big thing is, is more area by area within the unit. Um, so like the Dutton, for example, has some of those great big deep burned canyons and a lower elk population. Um, a lot of times what I'll see is the bulls will go crazy 
that last week of August um, into that first week and a half, two weeks of September. And that's, I've always kind of thought that's the sweet spot, that first week of September. If you want to kill a big bull with a bow, you need to be hunting that first week of September because the big bulls are hunting cows then. Once the big bulls are with the cows, they're 10 times harder to kill. But if you can get them right when they first start firing up, then you've got a, a lot better chance. That's when I've I've killed several of, of my best bulls is right there that first week of September. And um, I think that what happens is they really spike hard all the big bulls because the little bulls don't really know what's going on. They're kind of getting fired up and they're gathering the cows. And then the big bulls all of a sudden fire up and they, they come and gather up a group of cows and they'll push them into a hole somewhere and just kind of hold them. There's really no rut activity. And so I, it's pretty common to see a lull right there that second and third week of September. For me, I I see a lull in the in the rut activity a lot right then. And then usually it ramps back up, kind of peaks, and then really hits hard that just coming out of the rut, the post rut during the muzzleloader hunt. Usually the all muzzleloader hunts in Utah are just crazy rut fest. It really a lot of hard rutting during the muzzleloader hunt. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that almost maps out with, um, I heard, you know, a long time ago, it was explained that those, and I'm sure deer do this too, but those cows will set, do what's called second cycle, right? Uh, yeah. If, if the bulls don't catch them early, like what you're saying, that kind of, which would make sense, right? That end of, end of August, first week in September, then you kind of go into that little lull sometimes. And I'm sure that's what we hit, you know, that year on the Dutton. I mean, it was just it was like nothing was going on, you know, it was just like, it was July. Um, and then like you're saying, there's a good chance those cows that didn't breed will second cycle. And that would, it's, I think four to six weeks or something like that after. Right. And that would put it kind of in that towards the end of September first, even first week in October, probably. Right. Yep. Yeah. Usually that the first week of, until like October 10th, that's kind of when I see the, the switch flip off is there's still some activity after that, but I'd say 90% of your cows are totally done by October 10th. So, yeah. All right. I think that's a, that's a pretty good breakdown of Utah. I mean, if you, if we've kind of, I kind of made you already, but if you had to list off like your, the, let's say the top, like absolute best top three units going into this year, that are just, if you've got the flat out, got the points or want to shoot for the stars and then maybe like, you know, two or three of your top little sleeper units that you like that are kind of, you know, fly under the radar, so to speak. Uh, so the, the top units, I'd say definitely still the boulder will always be, it's, it's got the genetics, it's got the age class and it's such a thick unit that you, there's just not the long range capability that's waylaid a lot of the other units. The scope muzzleloader thing didn't help. Long-range guns don't help. 90% of your your rifle kills and muzzleloader kills on the boulder are done across a 200-yard meadow. Um, it's It'll always be probably the premier unit as far as just a lot of giant bulls. And then second is kind of a toss-up. I think there's a few more bigger bulls and a little easier to hunt on the San Juan, but then the beaver just has monsters every year there's a couple of just crazy big bulls on beaver so those would have to be the top three the boulder san juan and beaver um are premier three units and then if if you're looking for kind of a sleeper that still takes some points but that you've got a really legitimate chance at a 350 bull you're probably going to want to look at the fish lake thousand lakes it's it had a a 430 something bull killed off it a couple years ago and and every year there's a couple just stomper bulls on it um but lots of hunters it's it's a hard hunt to find those big bulls um the manti is a unit that always has some really great bulls it's got the biggest elk population in the state and it's the biggest geographical unit in the state and so it it will just always hold big bulls and you can get away from people or you can hunt with the crowds in the popular areas but there's a huge number of 350 plus bulls come off that unit every year. Um, and then the Nebo is probably the third on kind of a sleeper unit, one of the lower age managed units, but still has some monster bulls every year. 
And any particular weapon you, you, you've mentioned a couple times hunting them early. Is that kind of your preference, you know, <laughs> archery hunting and then sneaking in on those big bulls before they really start breaking off and get with a bunch of cows? Yeah. So, so early, any, any one of the units early is good. That archery hunt. Um, and then the late hunt, actually the November hunt is probably the best for for just seeing everything the unit has to offer and being able to find a real monster bull the late hunts are really good um you want to stay away from the beaver not the beaver the the boulder and the san juan late hunts the san juan has so much winter range and the bulls fight so hard that they're all busted up and and it's just really hard to find a big bull in the late san juan and then the boulder has once again so much inaccessible winter range and it's so thick that you can't hear them. They're not rutting. You can't glass them because it's so thick. It's it's just a brutal late hunt. A um, few of the guys that live down there that know it really well have killed some absolute monsters. But unless you're planning on hiring them as a as a guide, um, you're probably going to want to stay away from the late boulder as well. But all other units, that late hunt or the archery hunt, are my preferences. Okay. Um, and then maybe wrap up just as you were saying all that, I was thinking, you know, there is a, there is an over the counter tag in Utah and I know it's nothing like any of these units typically, but I mean, can a guy, you know, a guy from out of state or whatever, can a guy come just expect to even get into elk on those over the counter hunts and, and where's, you know, where do you point a guy for that? I, I killed a bull years and years ago on that tag, um, up in the Uintas and, you know, there's, there's elk in there. It's not necessarily, you know, the easiest hunt that I'd ever been on, but what's your take on that over the counter? Yeah. So I, I can't badmouth it because I've had a lot of <laughs> success on it myself. Um, but it is a, a brutally tough hunt. 99% of non-residents that come in blind and just try to hunt a unit most likely won't even get into the elk. Should have stopped it, in Colorado. <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely possible but it's no colorado our our over-the-counter units are so much more overhunted than colorado's over-the-counter units and there's such lower elk population to start with and then a lot of our over-the-counter units have private land issues and so it's it's definitely doable if you do your research you you really want to want that extra hunt in the year but if you're just looking to kill your first bull there's way better options um, if, if you do want to come give it a try, call the biologists. Um, I mean, like the Zion is a over the counter elk units down desert country. You wouldn't really think it, but actually I'm pretty sure it has the biggest over the counter elk population in the state. Um, but super low success. It's a really tough hunt. The Uinas are great. They're, especially if you have horses, if you like the back country kind of wilderness camp style hunt you can get into elk on the uinas but it it's going to be tough to kill them they're a lot less callable than elk on non-over-the-counter units it's still going to going to be a grind it's not a hunt that you want to bring your kids on to try and get them into hunting it's it's a, if you're serious about getting a branch hunting a bull come give it a try well that's those that's why god invented antelope hunting you know, exactly. <laughs> come up to Wyoming and go antelope hunting with your kids. <laughs> Participation trophy hunt. Just... <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, okay. Yeah, I, man, I, I appreciate that breakdown of Utah. What, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a couple other states that you'd hunted a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think the, the next. So Arizona you said you'd hunted Arizona, right? And I think Arizona elk, if I can act quick enough here, which I, I won't. So, uh, I was just trying to put the math cause I think the Arizona elk application deadline is the eighth. Um, and there's no way I'll get it flipped by then. So, uh, sucks to suck, but if you haven't applied for <laughs> Arizona yet, maybe just give a kind of a, you know, this would be just a, you know, couple minute overview of, of how you look at Arizona and, and as, as a non-resident, you know, specifically how you're, if you're applying or is it a state that you look at for elk? Yeah, no, I've, I've hunted. Um, I drew a, a late season. It was late November into early December tag. I went and killed a 348 bull. Um, got really lucky. I just picked the, the worst looking spot on the map in the unit. <laughs> 
away from all the roads with a high peak and I went and hiked up to the top of it two days in a row and then the third day the snow finally broke and I seen fresh bull tracks tracked them into a pocket and killed my bull packed him out and and was done I kind of went inside unseen on that one but my whole strategy for Arizona is just filler hunt I I didn't really ever plan on getting the points built up to hunt the unit you know, the 3A, 3C, 9, 10, one of those premier units with a bow or a rifle. And so I went with the late season hunt for this, the same reason that a lot of people steer away from late hunts in Utah. They think that all the elk will be broke. Um, they'll be cold. It's, they're not rotten. It's harder to find them. But I love that kind of hunt and get out and glass, just hit the high points, glass and, and find the bulls. And so that was my strategy in Arizona. And that's See. Drew the tag once, and now that's the same strategy I'm taking again. Just late hunts that take less points. Listen, Jace, you you say that you're an elk guy, but really what I'm hearing is that you're a mule deer guy. Because <laughs> all I've heard is you like spotting and stalking elk with a bow, right? Well, that's bow hunting mule deer, right? And then all yeah. I've heard is you like late season because you can get up on a high point and you can glass and you can find them and you're shooting with your rifle. That's mule deer hunting. I mean, you just you admit it. I want you to admit right now that we've I've I've sniffed you out. You're actually a mule deer guy. Well, I I, I can't really argue. This year, I actually I put my elk cutting all aside and yes. I killed a raghorn just because he was wounded and <laughs> shot him out of mercy rather than anything else. And I went and killed my two biggest bucks ever this year. So I maybe I'm converting. I don't know. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, Arizona, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, reminds me of, of Nevada a little bit, you know, the way that, <laughs> the way the draw is, you kind of have to front that license fee. Right. And then, you know, you're, you're relatively cheap after that, you know, 15 bucks or whatever per app. And, um, you know, so it's, it's one of those, you kind of pot commit to everything or nothing. Right. Um, yeah you know, there's definitely some opportunity hunts, right? That's kind of what you were implying, right? Is you're not just chasing those, you know, what is it? Area one or 27 or whatever down there. That's, you know, a couple of the big ones, area 10, right? Um, yeah. Nine and 10, I think. Um, yeah. And I'm, I, I say that I was going after opportunity, but at the same time, I, I don't want, my time's too important to, to just do a throwaway hunt. Um, I've been spoiled on elk. I've killed a lot of, a lot of really big bulls. And so I didn't want to just go, just go kill a bull. I wouldn't have been happy with a, a 300 inch type bull. You know, I'm kind of don't want to anyone that is, because any branch handed bull is a trophy. You, you can't take away from it, but I've just, I've been fortunate and killed a lot of them. And so, I wanted that next level. I, and so like I did unit seven West, it's a, and it was a terrible hunt. It was hard. Um, I only seen a couple of bulls and I, I hunted my guts out. I ran into two guides that were taking clients and they hadn't killed yet as of day three when I killed. Um, it was brutal, but it's a unit that's good earlier in the year and it's surrounded by units that are good year round. And so I knew the age and the genetics are in the area. It would just be a matter of finding that one or two bulls that stay there for that time of year. And and that's kind of my strategy everywhere is I, I do like one state will be my opportunity state where I just want to hunt as often as possible and grind it out to try and find that bigger animal. And then I'll do another state. That's my premier. When I finally draw it someday, I'm going to kill a monster. So like, Nevada is that state for me. Someday I'm going to hire Bull Ridge Guide Service and I'm going to pay that guy to go kill me a 400-inch bull. Yeah. It, it might be 15 or 20 years down the road, but well, you know, I'm, I'm just building points there. So Tre Trevor's young, so I'm sure he'll still be chasing and killing big bulls by that time. Yeah, so. exactly. So what's your – you mentioned your opportunity state. What's your opportunity state for elk that you're hunting as often as you can? So Utah is one. I I burn my points and then I I'll just put in for a the fastest unit I can draw when I can get back in the pool. Um, 
Arizona is my other. I'm, I'm just kind of going for those units that are okay. bordering good units. And, and then Wyoming is, is another one that right now I've, I've actually got five points. The only reason I haven't burned them is I just haven't had time to, to plan it out and go do a kind of an opportunity hunt for elk. So yeah, probably that, next year I'll do that. That, and I'm sure you would back this up up here in Wyoming, that, that general tag for two or three points or whatever. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like we were saying earlier, you know, there's some of the best general hunting is in the middle of grizzly bears, which deters a lot of guys and keeps bulls, you know, from getting killed. And, and then, you know, 50% of the general tag is probably wilderness, right? So yep. um, without saying that earlier, that's kind of what I was implying is that that general tag for a non-resident, um, if you're willing to put up with the bears and do a little bit of hiking and backcountry and, and work a little bit, um, you know, we, we hunted that last year with my brother and I'll tell you what, um, we watched an outfitter just flat out out hunt us and outsmart us cause it, they knew the unit, but, um, they, they pulled three bulls that were, you know, we didn't get a chance to measure them and really sit down and put a tape on them. Obviously we we're just watching them getting drug off a mountain from a mile away. Some of them, but you know, 350 class bulls, 340, 350 bulls for sure. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and that's just for two or three points, like where else are you going to get that, um, opportunity, you know, really anywhere in the West? I, I don't think, right. Like, yeah, I mean, Colorado has just because there's such an elk population and so much wilderness, but good luck finding those areas. You're going to earn that knowledge and, and that information And in Wyoming has just as good, if not better, it's just, yeah earning that information so see and when you said opportunity that you hunt every year i i thought you were going to say colorado that you're just picking up um like an over-the-counter colorado tag do you mess with that at all or do you apply over there what's your take on colorado real quick no so i don't even apply for colorado elk just because their their good units are so high of points um and there's so many over-the-counter opportunities i have bought a couple of over-the-counter tags just to have in my pocket while I've been there hunting deer. Yeah. Um, almost killed like a 340 bull the one year. Didn't happen, but that happens. So I, I haven't killed a bull out of Colorado yet, but I, I don't prioritize it at all. It was my premium unit, their premium hunt state for deer. So I finally burned those points this last year. So now it'll be a opportunity as well. I, I'm going to start just, hunting units i can hunt every two to three years and learn it good rather than a once in a lifetime type situation i like to hear that because i man i'll go to my grave believing that colorado's meant to be deer hunted as often as you can you know it's uh you know not that there's not some tags that you can get with you know five six eight ten points or whatever that are that are good but they're just relative to the amount of points they're not um, it doesn't seem like they're you know, worth as much as you're get as much as you're paying, you know, when you consider some of the bucks that are pulled out of these, you know, zero, one, two point units or leftover tags or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say that with elk too. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't apply, but ironically it's so cheap. Um, once you buy the little, you know, small game permit or whatever, um, I've just been building points in Colorado for elk with absolutely no intent. I'm a point whore, right? Really is what uh-huh. it comes down to. It's like, I, you know, you know, it's like we talk about these states and all the, you know, Utah, for example, and the problem with the point creep and stuff. And so if you've played this game long enough, you just have this anxiety over 20 years from now, you're going to wish you had points, you know, like I grew up in Nevada and to my everlasting regret, you know, we, not only we not hunt elk, we didn't hunt, like we weren't applying for like sheep, nothing. Right. So for like, Uh for like the first 10 or 15 years or whatever, I guess it was maybe 10 years that I was eligible to start applying for points from 12 until 22, basically, I wasn't building a single point other than just applying for deer and maybe a couple elk here and there. And so I have this anxiety of like, you know, someday, like, you know, maybe something will change and, and stuff does change, you know, stuff, stuff changes from time to time. And, and maybe I'll, you know, look and all of a sudden I'll have 15 elk points and there'll be some new fancy unit in Colorado that you can get with 15 points that's hot or something. I don't know, but you know, it's like, 
what is it like three extra dollars? Yeah, for, yeah. You should be building elk points yeah. in Colorado. <laughs> I know. Well, but here's here's one for you. I, I have no desire to kill a stupid turkey. I've killed like eight of them on over the counter archery spot and stock. Still, I have points. nine turkey points in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> nine. Yeah. I just buy one every year for nothing. Well, a guy's got to have morals, and at some point, you got to draw the line, and that's where I drew the line. I have. I've been sitting on one turkey point from clear back in 2009 when I first moved there. Um, and, and nothing since I've just been sitting on, I, I wish they would purge my turkey points just so I don't have to look at it every time. Someday my whole family, extended family and all are going to go turkey hunting and it's going to be all on my (laughs) points. (laughs) You got 40 points and you point boost everyone in the group. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Oh shoot. All right. Um, well, any other any other hot uh, states, you know, that are I'm trying to think. Uh, so Nevada's late; um, it's like April or May uh, deadline. But the Arizona one was coming up, so we touched on that. Utah's we're right in the middle of Utah. Um, New Mexico, I think, is open. New Mexico's open. Do you, do you not do anything there where it's just kind of a free for all every year? I, I pick and choose on a year that I know I'm going to be busy, like this coming year, I won't even apply for elk. Ah. Um, on a year that I'm thinking it might be slow, I'll, I'll put in for something and hope to win the lottery, go hunt the healer or somewhere. But yeah, um, like every, pretty much every year I put in for Ibex, just hoping to draw that. But I can't even get the stupid archery tag, even though it's supposed to be super easy to draw, just hard to hunt. Yeah. So New Mexico just doesn't like me. I haven't hunted it yet. <laughs> Yeah, see, and I, I'm, I'm very much similar when I'm not trying to be aggressive, but I, I still can't help but put in, right? And I'll just do exactly what you said. I'll go for the, you know, the absolute cream of the crop. Like, okay, if they're gonna give me this elk tag or this deer tag or whatever, like, <laughs> I'm sure. not gonna be mad about rearranging yeah. <laughs> my schedule for this one. Yeah, I'll make time. Um, or you know, I'll look and say, well, I'm going to be buried from you know end of August until you know mid October, and so I'll only apply for some of the late stuff or whatever, which is nice with like the ibex and the odd and stuff like that because it's it's late yeah, January. Know. Yeah, what the heck are we doing right now? You know, I just assume be down you know trying to chase an odd or something. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's exactly how I use New Mexico too. It's kind of my flex state for how aggressive I'm trying to be, but. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good, you know, just a a good summary of, you know, two or three key states. Um, You know, you mentioned Nevada and without going too far into that, I mean, you're talking my home state there. And so I totally understand what what you're up against. Um, (laughs) You just got, it's like, you know, I sell suppressors at work, right? And it's kind of like suppressors. Like you tell a guy, you just got to apply for it and forget about it. And then all of a sudden one day your suppressor will get release to you right and you'll be so happy and that's kind of how i see nevada elk is like you just gotta put your head down put throw in your 150 dollar license uh put your app in every year right and and forget that you even apply and then one of these years you're gonna draw that you know that premium 22 or 11 elk tag or something right i'm sure is what you're chasing there on the east southeast corner yep so yeah, it's it can be it can be a little overwhelming, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I use uh, or look at Nevada too. So yeah, just get your name in the hat and then don't get your hopes up. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, what's so what's uh, for sure this year? Are you expecting or planning on drawing any tags, or what are you hopeful for? Uh, swim for myself. I um, the guy that I, I guide for and with my cousin Brett. He should be drawn. He's got 21 elk points, and he should be burning them on a, a really premium late season elk keg. And so, pretty excited about that. And then, um, I'll have a Region H deer tag for Wyoming. Just go. Hey, 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 hey. Just go have some fun. Now we're talking, right? Let's let's uh, let's finish that conversion, and we'll go hunt mule deer up here in Wyoming. That's now. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. And that's that's about it. Um, my dad might draw his Rocky tag in Utah, Rocky Mountain Bighorn, and he's he's seventy five percent odds. So we'll see if that goes through or not. He's he's had pretty bad luck on that one. So and, and to put that in perspective, he's got max points, I'm sure, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is like, what did you say, 27 or something? Rockies, it's it's only 23 right now. Oh. It's it's climbing about every year, though, because they, they keep having die-offs or cutting tags. And... Huh. Yeah, so. man, that's crazy. Well, we'll be praying for him. Hopefully he draws it. That's yeah. the that's the guys that need to just be awarded a tag at some point, you know. But unfortunately, it's not how it works. But yeah. So, well, Jace, I appreciate you, man. Uh, it's been good getting to know you and kind of uh, get your perspective on on elk. And we really dove into Utah as kind of the theme of this. But that's um, it. Just felt right. That was kind of your that's your home court there, right? So you uh, you clearly knew knew the breakdown to give us there. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be on with you and BS about elk for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be looking forward to that big buck uh, post that you make when you go kill, tip a big one up here in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but well, cool, man. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing how you do this year. Your uh, your Instagram feed, if if people aren't following uh, Jace, is it just Jace Guyman? Like pretty or no? It's uh, J- JDG Sheds or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I need to just change it to my name so it's easier, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's whatever, you know. We all thought yeah. that those names meant a lot more, I think, when we opened our pages, and who cares now, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an absolute one of my favorites. Like I said, we I never, this is the first time I've talked to you, but, um you know, you feel like, you know, a guy just because you're, you have such a cool Instagram page and I, I try to like everything you post cause it's pretty easy. So oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Well, have a good night, man. Appreciate you coming and jumping on and uh, giving us a bunch of valuable information. Yeah. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem. Thanks, Chase. See ya. Bye. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to the finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.